Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Algman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all of your data and leadership questions. And we're always looking for suggestions, so if you have questions or topics you'd like us to cover on the show, please send an email to podcast at dl4e1.com or use our text and voicemail line at 773-888-2077. So today I'm back to doing a podcast by myself. We're still working on getting more interviewees lined up. We've got a bunch uh, scheduled for the future, but nothing uh, this week. So we are uh, certainly looking for more guests. One more plug for that. Reach out, please, if you'd like to be on the show or have some topic suggestions for us. So today I'm thinking about the baseball season is underway and Major League Baseball has kind of famously implemented a whole bunch of rule changes for 2023. And it got me thinking. Like, can we draw data leadership lessons from this? And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, yes, we can. We can definitely draw some data leadership lessons from what Major League Baseball has done. And we're going to talk about that today. So for those of you uh, who are not following baseball, which is probably most of you, because I know baseball is not quite the most popular sport anymore, though it is the sport I grew up with. And every year, so every year, I'm like, this is the year. This is the year that I'm going to watch my baseball team. I'm a, I'm a White Sox fan, I'll admit it. I'm I'm the White, now you know the White Sox fan. No, I, I'm a White Sox fan, grew up in the, in the south suburbs of Chicago. And that's just always been my team. It was faster to get to the games, and I've always enjoyed that experience. And so uh, I, I think about the White Sox every year, and I'm like, this is the year. I'm going to be watching them all year long. I'm going to pay attention, and it's going to go well. And that usually doesn't even make it to opening day. And, and I certainly don't pay any attention during spring training, but by opening day, I'm like, ah, this is great. By the end of opening day, I'm like, okay, I, I don't have time for this. So uh, this year, I, this year is different. This year, I swear, this is the year that I'm actually going to start following baseball again. But what I learned and and I was able to I actually was able to go to uh one of the the baseball games last week it was actually at a Cubs game but it's um the thing that I realized is that Major League Baseball has actually done something to make the game more fun again and and I want to talk about that today because I think there's a lot of interesting lessons that we can draw and so maybe this is the year maybe this is the year that I actually follow baseball all year long uh, so let's for for those of you who aren't familiar the Major League Baseball rule changes for 2023 we're not going to go into super deep detail on what all of these are or what the implications are or what have you, but I want you to think about, okay, what what might this mean? And we'll talk about some of it. So first thing, they've implemented a pitch timer. And what that means is that the pitcher has either 15 or second or 15 or 20 seconds, depending on whether there's runners on base to uh, deliver the, the pitcher, to start their windup to deliver the pitch. And the, the idea here is, is that there tended to be a lot of downtime between pitches. And so now this is an idea to to hold the pitcher accountable to actually pitching in a, in a particular period of time. And this is a, a huge deal for anyone who follows baseball. Baseball's beauty was that it never had a clock. There was no clock in baseball. It was always event driven. It was always determined based on a series of things happening. And it could take Two hours, it could take five hours, it could take whatever. It, it didn't matter. It would have to go through a series of events. And that's still true in terms of the core of the game. But this is the first time that they've implemented a formal pitch count or any kind of timer to facilitate particular actions happening in a particular amount of time, which is an interesting. And, and you know, baseball is, is a sport that was 
is, is rooted in, in all of this history and all of this you know, American pastime and all this stuff. And it's a global sport. I mean, it's huge in, in different countries. And it's there's a lot of history and a reluctance to change. And that's true in a lot of our big organizations as well. They've been around for a long time and they have this certain uh, sense of history and they think that it's that history that entitles them to some sort of future success. And that's just wrong. Um, and, and quite frankly, we've seen that in, in plenty of, of other circumstances where an organization thought that what served them well in the past would serve them well in the future just turn out to be the case. And so Major League Baseball had definitely acknowledged that they needed to do something different. So they implemented this pitch timer. A couple other details uh, for the rule changes this year. So the pitchers get two disengagements per batter. Per batter. That could mean trying to pick off somebody uh, on base, or it could mean just stepping off of the, the rubber on the mound to, to kind of take a breather or reset or, or what have you. And so they, they limit that used to be, they could just do that as much as they wanted to hitters also only get one timeout per plate appearance. It used to be like after every pitch, the batter's like timeout timeout. And they, and then they would go and, and adjust themselves or do whatever they do. I, I like, there was a lot of downtime in baseball. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, additionally, and these are the, 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 these other couple things, um, I thought were more interesting cause I didn't expect them to do it all at once, but, uh, the, they eliminated the, uh, aggressive infield shifts. So if you're not familiar with baseball, you have a four infielders and they're kind of evenly distributed. And what would happen is that some batters would tend to hit to one side of the field or another. They had all this data on it. And then they said, okay, well, if we put all the infielders and skew them really far to one side or the other, we're going to have a better opportunity to get the batter out. And you know what? They did. And so what ended up happening is that you ended up with a lot fewer balls in play and in, exciting uh, offense. You had a lot more strikeouts actually as a result of that because these hitters were trying to do everything they could to not hit it to the place they were naturally inclined to hit it. And so Major League Baseball said that ah, enough of that. We're going to we're going to put restrictions on how you can move these defensive players around. OK, fine. Then they also increased the size of the bases, which I found just odd. But it, it in the end, I kind of find it brilliant because they made the bases from they changed them from 15 inches to 18 inches, right? So now the bases are slightly bigger. But what does that really do? What that does is that it ever so slightly decreases the length between any of the places that you're running. So when you hit the ball, it's like three inches shorter to first base or three inches shorter from third to home, or it's four and a half inches shorter from first base to second base or from second base to third base. And at one point this uh, this weekend, an opening day, I think it was, I think it was something like 23 stolen base attempts and 21 of those were successful, which means that there's going to be a lot more running, a lot more offense. All of this is like little tweaks that are conspiring together to try to create a more offensive and therefore theoretically exciting type of environment by by adjusting these things ever so slightly the players now all of a sudden have an opportunity to do things that in the past just weren't mathematically viable like stolen bases didn't quite work so well uh in, in past years because the analytics proved out that it just wasn't worth the risk to to try to steal these bases and now you've kind of skewed things ever so slightly now that now it may be so Again, we're not going to talk in detail about all of these changes or, or all of that, but we want to talk about how they did this and why they did this and, and how it has impacted the game and what we might learn from that. And so that's, that's you know, for those of you who are like, I hate baseball. Why is he talking about baseball? I'm pretty much done talking about, about baseball. That's not true, but I, I'm mostly done talking about the details. So 
what I want to talk about too. So they made these changes, right? With, with these ideas in mind, we're going to talk about why, but first, how did they implement it? And this, I think they did very well is that they took all of 2022 and so last season, the 2022 season, and they implemented it and all these changes in the minors. So in the minor leagues, they ran it last year. And these minor league players are pretty good, too. They're not quite at the major league level, but they're where the major league gets its players. And so this gave them a lot of data, a lot of opportunity to evaluate what is going on with these rule changes. Are they actually creating the effects that we think they will create. Now, granted, the minor league game is slightly different than the major league game, but it's a reasonable enough proxy for the major league game that they could test it thoroughly, gather a bunch of data, and see is the are the consequences of our changes here actually going to influence the game in the in the way we want to. And so they they did that and and because they rolled it out in 2023, I think they were happy with the results in, in 2022 in the minors. And so that was a, a thorough implementation plan. Can you think of anything in your own business where you have taken an entire year to just do testing? I mean a lot of the time we're lucky if we get a weekend to do testing in some of these places, right? So baking in a thorough implementation pattern to realize the magnitude, and these changes are significant, to realize the magnitude of the changes that you're making and gather data on them in a safe place to then make any additional tweaks or to roll anything back before it hits the production, in this case, the Major League Baseball uh, workloads, which I think is is exactly what they should have done. And, and Fine, you have your history. You have this sense of well, we're mucking with stuff that is is you know golden that would know that people are going to freak out about because they're going to freak out about any change you make. Can we demonstrate through data in a safe space that yes, this is going to achieve our intended consequences? Now, if people don't like those intended consequences, well, then we have a difference uh, of opinion, or there's there's maybe some other changes that we need to to debate. But at the end of the day. If you're putting a product out there, you've got to decide, okay, what's going to be important for us to make our product successful? Not everybody's going to like all the changes, but maybe they'll get used to them, or maybe you will change your customer base over time, or maybe it'll it'll appeal to a younger generation over an older generation, or what what is it that you're, you're trying to achieve? So why did Major League Baseball actually implement these changes? And the thing you're going to see, if you go out there, and on the internet or whatever, go to Major League Baseball or MLB.com. They'll have all of this information. There's videos explaining everything and all this stuff. And the thing you'll keep hearing time and time again are we did the or is that we did this to speed up the game times. The Major League Baseball average game time was pushing past three hours, I guess. Uh, and this has significantly reduced that time um, and very intentionally so uh, by like 25 minutes. The Minor League Baseball games uh, reduced in length by 25 minutes in, in 2022. That's, you know, 25 minutes out of three hours. You know, that's a substantial decrease in time. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation when I was at, like I mentioned, I, w I was able to go to a baseball game last week and I was having a conversation with someone there and it's like, I don't really want the game to be shorter. I want to be at the game longer. Like it's, you're taking time away from my experience at the game, 
but I'm still getting the same amount of baseball. It's just in a more condensed time. But I kind of like the, the the game experience. But I don't really mind if it's a little bit shorter. But you just kind of have that sense of, oh, well, if it's longer, you're getting more value or what have you. And, and so I'm like, well, that's got to be a fairly common thing that people are thinking about. But I don't know that that's a that big of a deal and and b that must mean so if that's a negative like if, if somebody at the game who's you know, paid for a ticket is going to this game spending that time they're like I, I wouldn't be minded if it was three hours instead of two and a half but they there's clearly probably some people that are like well if it was only two and a half then i'd be able to go to more games because i could fit it into my schedule i wouldn't be getting home at 11 o'clock on a weeknight and, and having to go to, to work early the next day or, or what have you so i'm sure that that kind of bounce out but I started to think and and I started to think, okay, well, is it really that baseball didn't want the games to be three hours long anymore, that they really couldn't handle the games being that length? And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of other sports that, you know, football games easily go three hours. Nobody's complaining about how long those are, or maybe they are, but it's not as, as prominent. You know, college football games are just absurd. They take all day. And the thing with baseball though isn't that it's so long it's that it's freaking boring let's just call it out baseball is a boring game to watch even when you're in person there's a lot of downtime but on on tv it's unwatchable you have to be doing something else to watch a baseball game i think most people even baseball fans like myself will acknowledge it's not easy to watch a baseball game on tv and keep your attention on it because there's so much downtime and so that's my hypothesis. I don't think like you can't major league baseball is like, yeah, sorry. We've been putting a, a terribly boring product on uh, for the last you know 50 years and, and sorry, but we're going to try to address it. No, they can't do that. So they're going to use this, uh, the, the, the more uh, appropriate language of, oh, we're going to shorten the game times. But what does that really mean? You're just going to shorten all this time that people are doing nothing and still have the same amount of baseball, but do it in a much more compressed way. And then, that's going to lead to a much more enjoyment because you can't go and have a separate conversation between every pitch. You 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 have to be paying more. You don't have to pay more attention, but you can pay more attention, and, it, and it's better entertainment. That's the thing that I think they're really going for here is that they're trying to get a better entertainment product out there, both for the people that are in the stadiums. Because if you figure, hey, one thing I can I can say assuredly is that if you have a two and a half hour game instead of a three hour game, I can promise you there are going to be a, a decrease in concession sales at stadiums. That's an easy one, right? You're definitely going to have less time for people to be buying snacks and drinks and all of that stuff. That's definitely going to hit. That, But can you make that up by making the game a more pleasant experience? And what kinds of other things might you might you tweak? And one of the things that really surprised me, like I mentioned, I was, I was at the Cubs game. It was, it was opening day. One of the things that, that surprised me is that apparently the Cubs did not sell out Wrigley Field for opening day. Like this is the most, you know, they are as popular as any team out there in baseball. And if you're not selling out opening day, something else is, is broken. Now, it could be because the game's gotten boring or it could be because you're charging $15 for a beer and that, you know, Wrigley Field, that's a big deal. Um, and, and maybe that's it. So I think that there's a lot of other dynamics that are going to come from this to say, OK, how can we make baseball a more relevant sport and entertainment product? going forward because i think right now you probably can't take a family of four to a baseball game for under two three hundred dollars when you think about the parking when you think about food when you think about the tickets themselves i mean it it could very well be a five hundred dollar day for for just family to go to baseball game that's not that's not what it was supposed to be and so there's more problems but i think that these changes that major league baseball is making 
are pretty substantial because if you watch a game, and for anyone who's kind of on the fence, it's like, ah, I'm a little bit of a baseball fan, I'm not, go watch a game and see what the impact of these rules does for your experience in watching that game, even on TV. It's just so much snappier. And that, to me, means that baseball really thought through this. And they said, can we make a few different changes that you know may take a little bit of adjustment, especially that pitch clock thing. It's going to take some adjustment. But can we then drive a better experience for our core customers and the people that are going to the games or watching them on TV? Can that then help drive more interest and more revenue and more opportunities for people to get deeper engaged with this? It, it just might. It just might. So what is this? So so we're talking a lot about baseball. And for those of you who aren't baseball fans, hopefully there's still some some nuggets of thought here happening. But what does this mean for us in our own businesses and what we want to be thinking about and what we're doing with our own data leadership efforts? And so the first thing I think it teaches us is understand your intentions and really understand what you're trying to do and what the likely consequences of tweaks or changes that you're making are and what some unintended consequences could possibly be. And then ultimately, like, test these things. Go try to find a safe space to test and be as thorough about it as possible. You may not have the ability to take a whole year to test all of these changes out, but you really need to think about, like, how can we do this in a safe space to understand, are these tweaks, changes that we're trying to make to people's behavior, are, are they beneficial? Are they actually working? Are they going to drive the kind of value for our organization that we hope they will? Just because you want something to be true, just because you want something to get better, doesn't mean it naturally happens. You can put energy towards it and it's still not work. You know, there's so many things that I've tried in my, in my various roles in my career that have gone completely wrong. I've learned a ton from them and I got better at it next time and then likely solved it the next time. But every one of us has failed many, many times at things. Learning from that and adjusting to that and doing something better is really important. And so if you can do that in a safe space, so much the better. But gather that data ahead of time. Think about things thoroughly and and listen to what the data is telling you both before you make a change as well as when you're making the change and after you're making the change. Learn from that data and be open. Be open to what it's telling you. So many times the answers are staring us in the face or, or right there in front of us. All we have to do is look at them and we don't do it because we think we already know better. But that kind of defeats the whole purpose of all this data stuff. And that's the thing is that we have to be open to change, but to change through data, we first have to understand what is true today. What is it that's going on? If you're not measuring, you're not benchmarking, you're not capturing what's going on here. What are the fans or, or our customers of our product saying? Are, what are their behaviors telling us? Have we gotten to a point where we can't sell out one of the most you know, popular stadiums on opening day. Maybe we need to make some changes here. So thinking about how you might do that. Now, also think about how small changes combined together, and I hate this word, but how can they uh, create positive synergies? And synergies are when you get kind of, it's when, when you know, two plus two equals five. It's when, when multiple things come together and they, they impact each other in such a way that the, the sum of their, their, total is greater than the individual parts or the sum of the individual parts. And, and those synergies are, are really important to think about. Like what happened when all of a sudden pitchers need to act faster, batters need to be on their game. The bases are smaller. So the paths between bases are different. Runners have more incentive to run and the ball can be put in play easier because you don't have the infield shift. 
what do you have? A lot more exciting things happening with a ball on a field. That's what you have because people are running around more. There's hitting more. Everything's happening. And, and all you did was change a few things. I mean, they increased a base size by three inches. That's a relatively inconsequential thing, but could, by combining with these other things, make for a much more exciting product in the end. So find those opportunities. Hey, maybe there's a way you can create a marketing plan aligned with sales incentives, aligned with some operational enhancements, aligned with some cheap um, supply costs to promote certain products, all of a sudden you can create this confluence of these multiple things working together and you create a whole new avenue of, of sales growth that any one of those things would probably be much less successful doing. So think about that. The other thing that I think that Major League Baseball did exceptionally well in all of this is being methodical in their implementation. So they took it implemented in the safe space, tested it there, and then we're very clear, 2023 is when we're going to be making these changes. And then they communicated so much. Like, you couldn't help but hear something about these rule changes or about something uh, with the the different aspects of this or see this clock. If you go to a stadium, the clocks are freaking everywhere. They are everywhere. And you're like, the clock's running down. And then on TV, it's running down. It's disappearing. They're still trying to figure out how they want to do the broadcast with some of these things. But they're they're testing things out. They're trying out these little details now that the, the core rule changes are in place. But they've really done a great job of communicating, creating videos, creating multi-channel information for folks like, what is happening with baseball these days? And so that's the kind of thing that you want to be thinking about. It's like, if you're going to make a big change, and I would argue that Major League Baseball changes are the biggest I've seen in my lifetime, um, even more so than the thing I hated with the National League uh, implementing the uh, designated hitter. Um, but the these kinds of changes need a lot of communication, a lot of um, awareness built up in that customer base so that they don't feel confused or left out. You want them to say you want to you want to be able to be honest too and say, hey, we are making these changes because we've heard you and we care about you and this is how it's going to help you and and you know be open to if it doesn't help you, we're going to make more changes. But we want to be here to give you the best possible product or the best possible service to give you what you need to get out of this. In the case of baseball, it's about entertainment. It's about building up, hopefully, a lasting uh, generation of, of baseball fans, which I think that baseball hasn't done a very good job with lately. And so do you find yourself working for a brand or working for an organization who has struggled to maintain their loyalty and customers or the way that they've gone to market has has the market changed around them these lessons that we can get from sports and this is one of the things that i've always loved about sports is that it's a great place to learn bigger lessons but in kind of a fun way so i'd encourage you all to think about it enjoy the spring and summer and think about maybe pick up a baseball game maybe go to a minor league game or a major league game if you can and uh you know think about some of these changes and and hopefully it'll lead you to some uh, insights about your own organization or insights about your own organization and your own career. And hopefully I'll, I'll give you some ideas of, of things you might implement uh, to improve what you're doing for your customers. And so with that, this podcast is data leadership for everyone, but if you need some data leadership for you, I want to help. You can reach me at podcast at dl4e1.com and my phone number is 773-888-2077 if you prefer to text or leave a voicemail. We need topics to discuss on the show. I'm looking for guests who want to share their wisdom or discuss a challenge they're currently facing. I'm also happy to meet with you outside the show if I can help in any way. Sometimes all it takes is one good conversation to get on the right path. 
You can find all our episodes as well as other resources to propel your data leadership journey at dataleadershipforeveryone.com. And until next time, be good to your data, be better to your business, and be best to each other. Now go make an impact.